a Radio 191 FM podcast. Kia ora koutou, You are listening to Radio 191 FM. Uh, today we will be talking to Tiffany Singh, um, a artist from... You're from Bangkok, right, Tiffany? I'm from Auckland, New Zealand originally, but I am on a residency in Bangkok at the moment oh, on the Creative Migration yeah, resident arts residency. So you describe yourself as a social practice artist, am I right? That's correct, yeah. Fantastic. Um, I was wondering, to kick it off, could you tell me a bit about your beginnings as an artist? Um, did you take classes? Are you self-taught? Uh, where did it all sort of start for you? Uh, my undergraduate degree is from Elam in Auckland, uh, but I spent quite a lot of time in India in my 20s, uh, doing volunteer work and capacity for different organisations there using creative ability as an outreach tool mm. for women's empowerment. Um, mm. So I worked a lot in terms of um, working with groups of women to give them leverage uh, against selling their crafts and bringing people together and working with children in the slums. And mm. what it taught me was that often the process was more important than the outcome. And mm. and what it was doing for the people was often more important than what the art looked like at the end of the day. So yeah. that, for me, was a really significant shift towards a social practice yes. philosophy in terms of mm. looking at social ills and addressing them through a creative standpoints but also uh, addressing the psychology and the needs of the community through the vehicle of art itself. Mm. Oh that's incredible it must have been so rewarding and um, like engaging for you you must have learned a lot. It was pretty it was challenging Mm. it turned a lot of things that I thought mattered to me on its head um, in terms of my values and my basis of success and um, what I'd been conditioned to believe was success through a Western construct uh, yeah. changed a lot. Mm. So it really came about um, what I was contributing to as a person and what I could use my skill set towards being useful. Mm. Um, so it did kind of, I guess it transformed the way that I worked or it transformed me as a person, which I guess translated into the way that I work. Mm, and that must be, I don't know, in your opinion, would you say that's quite necessary for an artist? What um, what steps do you think people should take toward becoming an artist in this day and age? It must be like uh, with that's what the you're question. <laughs> Yeah, it's the question, isn't it? I mean, I just thought I'd throw it out there. It's a bit difficult. But if you have any ideas around that, because we all have our different sort of um, opinions or like descriptions for what an artist is, what it means to be. What does it mean to you? Um, I think for me, given that it is um, 2019, it is there is a conversation around how to be useful mm. and what the needs of society are, um, and they're changing daily. Mm. So for me, it's really it's responsive to that in terms of that I'm not an artist that. Um, really makes commodity object works for sale. That's not really where I'm located. But having said that, I, I, you know, I have no issue with artists that work in that way. Everybody's different. Everybody finds their space to 
have their conversation through um, in terms of creative practice. So it's not for me to say what is right or wrong or the best way to operate as a contemporary practitioner today. I can really only speak to what works for me, which what makes me fulfilled, and, and that's being useful in a way that um, leverages art in terms of a larger conversation between education and health. Mm. So I've been a part of the Teora Alaha um, group that um, recently come together, uh, which is looking at exactly that, the connections between um, health and art and well-being and the repositioning of, of art to be supportive to both of those sectors mm. um, and looking at the cross-pollination between sectors. So rather than seeing art as a standalone thing, seeing its relationship to education and health and how they dovetail together and how they can be supportive in terms of different ways of learning or having conversations. Um, so for me, it's really about that repositioning in, in terms of that it's a very useful tool that everybody learns differently and there's many different ways of having conversations mm-hmm. and art is another spring to that bow. Yeah, that's a fantastic perspective. Um, you've worked in the New Zealand art scene and the worldwide art scene extensively. Um, what, in your opinion, do you think it's accessible enough? Um, like, do you, what improvements uh, do you think could be um, made upon the New Zealand art scene for it to become more accessible for young people who are intimidated? Um, I think projects like um, what Dunedin Public Art Gallery are doing at the moment, programming is really important. Um, panel discussions are really important to have that narrative around the um, changes that contemporary art is going through at the moment. Um, Creative New Zealand is also making more space for community art funding and taking social practice more seriously in terms of funding. So there are shifts away from more object-oriented art um, residency opportunities are amazing. Yeah. In terms of allowing artists dedicated time and space to grow um, academically and their research body and work and themselves to just have time that's funded to actually seriously dedicate to your craft is, is a huge um, gift. Sorry, I have a little six-month-old baby that you can probably hear in the background. It's if you adorable. Hear any funny noises, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah, um, your lifestyle. And also be... on, on, yeah. So I would also say that for me, obviously, the most significant changes that could be made at the moment are creating spaces for families. That mm. um, it's really important there. It's quite a traditionally focused male perspective towards the art world so creating residencies that families can be a part of and um, opportunities for women to take their children to work and make that viable is incredibly important moving forward because there are so many more contemporary female artists today and we shouldn't have to make a choice between family and work there should be spaces that enable us to do both Yes. So um, that's one of the conversations that I'm pushing quite heavily at the moment, yeah. and that's probably due to my situation of having a three-year-old and a six-month-old. Of course. Well, it's a very important conversation to be having, and nearly every artist I know, I know many wahine artists who 
um, do feel those limitations in the society that we've grown up in. I, it's just incredibly restrictive with the freedoms and for women especially. So it's just amazing to see your work and see what you're doing. Um, that sort of leads me into questions about the Make a House a Home project at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. I've been to see it a few times. Um, the prints are amazing. Um, may oh, thank I, you. May I ask what initiated the idea for this project and um, if you could just sort of fill listeners in on the beginnings? Sure. It's actually a project that's developed over time. The first, um, actually my first solo show was um, around a similar concept. It was uh, a thousand of the wax um, idols that I, I used to make that were in a rainbow and they were available for exchange and you could come into the gallery and uh, take one of those away and leave something in return and that was in 2011 so mm. it's been a gradual evolution of the work to then respond back to the community needs again so it happened again in the Hawke's Bay at the Hastings City Art Gallery in 2011 and they partnered with the local food bank and the children's hospital and people could come in and take one of the wax works away and leave either food or um, a children's toy for the hospital. And we ended up making breakfast for um, kids in the lower DSL schools for a couple of weeks from the food donations. So um, this one has evolved again because I don't work with the wax anymore because unfortunately the bees are not in a good way and there's not enough wax mm. to go around it for. So that's why I've made the prints out of the natural materials mm. and the natural dyes and the pansies and all of the healing materials that I'm known for working with. Oh, it's so beautiful. Uh, and they're more sustainable as works as well. The wax works have, um, they can melt and they can get damaged. So these works are kind of more familiar to people as artworks, as 2D frameable, hangable works. Mm. Uh, so there's 108 of them that responds to uh, the Buddhist mala. Mm. Um, and you can come and choose a work and exchange with us uh, in partnership with the Red Cross one of the items that the part that Red Cross has identified as being a useful item for one of the resettled families that is coming to Dunedin later this year. Mm. Oh, that's so gorgeous. And hearing you speak about it, you can just tell how passionate you are. It gives um, It gives me quite a bit of hope to know that this is the route that a lot of artists can take and are taking to help people and to not separate themselves from people because, you know, there can be this sort of stigma of the art world being quite separate and elitist, but it's just so beautiful to see what you've done. I adore the prints you have in the gallery. Um, you're using marigolds and pansies for the dyeing, for the flowers and the dyeing, right? Um, the... The dyeing itself is made from indigo and rose and turmeric and um, butterfly pea flower. Oh, wow. And then there's on top with the pansy. Yeah. Yeah. And what does, does, um, in those choices of ingredients, uh, do they have specific meanings to you and to the pieces that you're creating? Yeah, they're all, it's all natural and they're all known to have healing properties. Mm. So you can use any of those materials 
Um, they're very common materials, so most people have them in their, in their kitchens or in the gardens. Yeah. Um, and they can all be used um, for um, natural remedies. So the, the idea is that the works themselves are made from healing materials. The process itself um, is a healing process. Yeah. And then the outcome of the items going back to the resettled community are an outreach conversation about welcoming them to Aotearoa um, and that being a healing process unto itself. So, yeah, I guess the narrative of, of healing and community runs the whole way through. That's so beautiful. That is, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, yeah, weepy just hearing about it. We need more art like that in the world. Um, may I ask, <laughs> what is your favourite medium to work with, if any? <laughs> In some ways, it is people. The works are about bringing different communities together and having a conversation about how we can support each other. And the art is really the vehicle for that narrative. So um, I'm, I'm not an artist that works alone in my studio producing. Everything I do is in collaboration um, with other people. So I think probably for me, it's, it's, it is people. Oh. That's beautiful. People is your favorite medium. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned with visiting um, your installation at the Den Public Art Gallery. I think the more time spent there, the more empathy and kotahitanga people can um, learn and and feel over the time. Um, I would really like to acknowledge um, the Aotearoa Resettled Community Coalition because I work with them in 2017 and the Headman Sculpture on the Gulf Project Um, and they working with them really made me aware of the challenges that the resettled community face Mm. Um, and the artwork was really became a narrative around how to bring about tolerance and compassion through education and sharing of stories Yeah. so um, this work really dovetails off the back of that work as well so Mm. I think it's really important to have themes that run through the work that allow for the expansion of those conversations and allow people different accesses into them to think about um, what is going on for other people and how we can be more supportive and tolerant and compassionate within that. Mm. And that comes with visiting your work. Um, There are people have the opportunity to um, donate and um, give pillows, blankets, towels to um, in conjunction with the Red Cross to resettle communities, right? Yeah, so there is, I think in the gallery there is a list of the items that yeah. um, the Red Cross has highlighted as being um, the most in need and there are specific exchange days so uh, yes so you, get, you will end up with a little work to mm. take home um, but you will also give someone else something to take home which is probably far more necessary at this point in their life absolutely and that's a fantastic step toward um improving the situation the current climate of division and violence that is inherent in um, new zealand and the world um what steps could listeners take um to push further toward helping resettled communities, helping people who are displaced and hurt in New Zealand? Um, I think awareness is a huge step towards that. I think language is also really important. One of the things that came out of the initial project um, with the resettled community was around language and biases and um, 
dropping the use of the word refugee because we don't have refugees in New Zealand. Once they're granted refuge, they're given New Zealand citizenship. So they're New Zealand citizenships and they're New Zealanders. So I think as soon as we stop using the language and referring to people as refugees, um, they have come from refugee backgrounds, but um, they are now New Zealanders. They're new New Zealanders to our country. So seeing them in that light and... Um, not referring to them as, as constantly um, bringing up their past and allowing them to have a future and being seen as one of us and giving them a platform to move forward in is really important. Mm. Um, one of the conversations that we had was that uh, one of the families had had six children born in New Zealand, so the children was, were are New Zealanders mm. that were being born here. And they were going to school and they were still being called refugees, even though they'd been born here. Yeah. So there's a lot of conversation. And I think, you know, I don't think people are doing it deliberately. I just think there may be some ignorance around the fact that once people come here and they're granted refuge, they become New Zealand citizens. Yeah. So um, referring to them as such would be a huge step forward. Yeah, it's such a big thing. And I think we've all got these ingrained... Uh, ignorance, this ingrained ignorance and um, is in New Zealand I meet, almost everyone I meet has some form of identity crisis and this feeling of um, displacement and um, uh, oh, what's the word, and, uh, like you feel like you're not belonging and um, it's so beautiful to like see art bringing people together and raising awareness of you are here and this is your home and you are welcome. Yeah, and I think it also um, is, is timely because this is the first year that we increased the quota. So um, it's a really nice conversation to dovetail with that because there's a lot of New Zealanders that push really hard for that to happen. Yeah. So um, there, there's a lot of ways. I'm actually leveraging the project in, in Bangkok at the moment as well. I'm partnering with Creative Migration Bangkok uh, 1899 and NAR Cafe projects, um, and working with re- the children of refugee families here, uh, and having an exhibition that people can do a similar thing. They can come and take, uh, the kids' work away and leave items for their families. So it's becoming a bit of a global project, which is pretty lovely. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, speaking of, uh, artists or in organizations to look out for, who would you recommend that listeners, um, look up and become aware of? Um, I just think anyone, anything that you think that you can support, anyone that really resonates with where you sit ethically and morally, I think having a personal connection to what you care about makes a huge difference. Mm. Not really about anybody else telling you, it's about kind of, finding that space in your heart and seeing where you can place your empathy um, and your time and your love. And I think everyone, everyone's been through something yeah. that enables us to connect to people in different ways. So drawing on that experience and turning it into a positive thing that can help us relate to each other yeah. um, can only be a beautiful thing. Oh, yes. So true. So true. Absolutely. And, um, where do you think that you are going to direct your art next? Um, do you have any upcoming projects that we could mention? Uh, well, I'm on the residency at the moment in Bangkok for the next three months. Um, I'm looking at a women's empowerment project through Asia. 
mm-hmm. uh, looking at the challenges that female artists face, um, especially in Asia, and uh, creating work around that for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. But after this residency, um, I'm actually moving to London with my family, so there will be some new work happening there. Yes, that's incredible. Congratulations. Very exciting. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. We're kind of in limbo at the moment, but we will get there. Yes, it's a learning process, and it sounds like you've got very exciting things coming. Well, it was so lovely to talk to you, and I wish that I could talk to you more. There is, um, You're doing so much. It's incredible. I strongly urge listeners to go and visit the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, see Tiffany's work, see the installation, bring some things. I'll read the list out and uh, let people know what they can do to help. Tiffany, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Um, I wish you all the best for future projects. Can you send me a photo if you make the exchange? Yes, absolutely. Can you send me a photo of the work that you chose and what you left? That would be awesome. Oh, good, yeah. We're going to do that. We'll pop it on our Instagram, our Facebook, everything. Thank you. That would be great. Spread awareness. Okay, well, thank you so much. Um, Have a good day. (laughs) Yeah, you too. I'll see you later. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.